Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Before we get started, I need to shout out my patrons. Thanks a ton for supporting the show and making this all possible. If you'd like to support the show, want a shout out on my next episode, or want an inside scoop on upcoming guests, consider joining me. You can find the link in my link tree or by heading to patreon.com slash hn, the number two, DM. Remember that 10% of my ad and patron money goes to support local LGBTQ plus youth via InCircle. Check out my link tree for more information. And now onto this episode's guest intro. Callum and Paul are a dynamic TTRPG duo who play and create together to the delight of all. Together they helped create Homebrew Havoc, an actual play show that uses homebrew everything created by their community. Callum and Paul are also both patrons of mine and have been big fans of the show for a long time, which made it even more fun for me to chat with them today. Enjoy! My story began about nine-ish years ago now, and I actually got told I would be a really good dungeon master before I'd ever heard of TTRPGs or D&D. A colleague just came up to me and said, you'd be a really good dungeon master. I was like, that's an inappropriate thing to say to a boss, but thank you. Get back to work now, you weirdo. Yeah, so a couple of colleagues agreed and said, would you mind running a game for us? I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to learn what it is. Yeah. And then, yeah, (laughs) sure. So that was my first time ever hearing about it. I did a bunch of research and found nothing, so I decided to create my entirely own system. It was a mixture of point buy and inspiration gambling, which just involved me giving out inspiration every 30 seconds. We had a single D20 between... 10 of us so myself and nine colleagues showed up and yeah i improved the entire DD session or ttrpg session it was nothing like DD at all there was a werewolf there was a person effectively playing deadpool and the avatar was a player the power dynamic was all over the place it was an absolute fiasco and i loved every second of it and i've been hooked on ttrpgs ever since <laughs> I've had a few people tell me that their first experience was just totally making a game from scratch and it being really fun and also really chaotic. So I'm impressed that so many people got to that point before getting into games, you know? It's impressive that you would have thought enough about it to put something semi-coherent together. So yeah, that's really cool. All right, Cal, what about you? I'm Callum Lee, probably known to most as C. Lee D&D, or known as simply as Cal, which is fine by me. I'm uh from Cardiff in Wales, UK. I'm a comedian, voice actor, TTRPG entertainer, which is um, a thing now, and I love it. So, yeah, you'll find me on um, all sorts of actual plays, streams, shows related to TTRPGs. I play Dodo, the chubby business owlin on Homebrew Havoc, with Paul, who is with us as well, Boralius, who's the demon hunter in Blood War, and... uh, Monty Beefcastle, the barbarian pirate in DMDM Studios' booty, Revenge of the Demon King. I'm also the co-host with Paul on Cal's Questions. I'm really pleased you've introduced yourself with all of that, because I didn't mention anything about what I did. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I do some of that as well. Sorry, Cal, for interrupting. 
no, that's <laughs> absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, I've been into like magical worlds and fantasy settings as as long as I can remember, pretty much. I remember playing games like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy and getting lost in the stories and the worlds that you playing a character you have an impact on. And that led to me finding TTRPGs and D&D was my first. And uh, yeah, just fell in love with it. There was a game called Dragon Valor as well on the PS1. And I don't know if anyone's heard of it. Apparently it's quite rare, but you traveled through time slaying dragons like in different eras. And I remember thinking at the time, yeah, dragons are pretty cool. So that led to me playing D&D eventually. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It was around university time I got into D&D. And I think growing up, it was kind of hard to find like the right people to play with or people that were like-minded and wanted to get into it as well. Eventually, I found them when I started doing improv and things in university. So up until then, I'd sort of read you know, the books and get that nerdy hit and eventually found it. Yeah. I'd love to know how you got into running games or maybe what your first experience was running a game. How did that kind of come about? It would have been with the improv people in university here in Cardiff. We gelled and we've gone, right, we're just going to take turns to run games. And it was D&D and a few homebrew things as well, like Paul has mentioned, you know, thrown in there. Heavy on the role play, bouncing off each other. Occasional elements of sort of one-upping each other as well, each taking our turn in the hot seat. Always really fun. In terms of me being the DM for the first time, I mean, even though I read the books growing up and stuff without having played it, when you're actually in the hot seat, it's so different. (laughs) Just you plan in your head. And I still suck at the rules today, as Paul will also agree (laughs) with. You'd think I'd know after reading all the books and stuff, but no. Things still throw me off. And I remember as well, there was, I screwed up so badly in like the first sort of mini campaign that I did with this the improv group in university. I ended up backing myself into a corner where I had to come up with something called a time snail. <laughs> where if they step on the time snail, then it sort of got them back on track to where I sort of needed them to be. So that was like <laughs> a rookie thing that I had to do. Uh, so naive like a reset button basically just all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i could do but there you go time snail you can use that one if you want yeah <laughs> sounds like an amazing object like picking up the train and not quite putting it back on the railroad but certainly like realigning where the players might be going things get so chaotic that you need a time snail to get it back on track there you go yeah that's my uh, first experience with dming oh that is a good one what about you, Paul? I mean, I guess you kind of talked about it, but maybe yeah. like your first time running an official TTRPG. After the game that I mentioned at the start, it took me about a year to find anyone to play with at all. Because I didn't understand that you could play online. The place I lived wasn't heavy in the nerd culture. I think even the place I ended up playing hadn't even opened when I started. But that didn't stop my brain from obsessing with it. So I absorbed all the knowledge from the three main books, The Player's Handbook, DM's Guide, and Monster Manual. And I read them over and over again. And in that year, I made about eight different campaigns in my head. And I finally got to be a player in two different campaigns. Spent about three weeks, weekly sessions, playing, and thought, what did I like before that I didn't like now? Like, I wanted to be in charge. (laughs) I didn't like other people telling me what to do. That was it. I like to be in the power seat. Yes. So I joined Twitter and that was 
a few years ago. I've dipped in and out, ran some games with some friends. I started a podcast at one point. I mostly ran one shots with them. Yeah, eventually I joined Twitter. I got into streaming and it was absolutely fantastic. I loved creating stories and creating NPCs. And I have played in a few games since starting. And aside from one shots, after the third week of playing the same character, I just get bored and I want to build another character and play another person. I can't commit. I have commitment issues with my players. I remember my first player I'd ever played was a bard called Bard, and he had to speak in rhyme. Everything he said had to be a rhyme. And about three weeks in, I learned that that was a terrible idea because I can't think of rhymes quickly enough. So... I stopped playing in that campaign. I politely excused myself and said, no, I want to be a DM. And I've been running games ever since. I've only ever run one official module, which is Curse of Strahd. Everything else has been homebrew. By the time this releases, the first few episodes will be up as videos on demand. So yeah, everyone should go check those out. But I relate heavily to those sentiments, Paul. I also like being in charge. I'm an oldest child. I'm kind <laughs> of a know-it-all. I've tried to tone it down as I've gotten older and realized that people don't like being told they're wrong all the time. And as a recovering know-it-all and an oldest child, like being a DM was perfect. It was great. I feel the same way too about creating characters. Like they're fun. And then it's like, eh, it's more fun to just play everybody, you know, yeah. to just play everybody and be everything and get to make it all up. So yeah, very much similar to my mentality and the reasons that I like it so much. It's interesting that you call back on being an oldest child and therefore like being in charge. I'm the youngest child of four. And I think the reason I like being in charge is because I've never been able to do it in my family. <laughs> being the youngest and always being spoken down to because there's a bit of an age gap between me and the next one up. Paul, this explains yep. so much. <laughs> <laughs> At the end table, I'm like, yes, my pretty, you will do as I say. <laughs> they have to listen to me now. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was hard to get a word in when you were growing up. So yeah. <laughs> it's funny how our experiences shape us like this. All right. So the big question, right? This is the whole purpose of the show. So let's dive in. Paul, tell us what your worst mistakes are you feel like you've made that people could learn from. Tell us how not to DM. I've made every mistake in the book right from the beginning. <laughs> I've railroaded too hard. I've sandboxed too hard. I've prepped too much. I've overprepped. I've underprepped. I've done it all. But I think the biggest mistake I've consistently made and only recently started to overcome was about combat and the purpose of combat. Because for a very long time, I saw combat as an attempt to kill the players. I was I don't want to kill the players. So what's the point in combat? Okay, I'll just get rid of combat. I, I saw it in my games, like there's no combat in my games. Even now, when I know what combat should be, seldom that I have combat. In Homebrew Havoc, we'll have combat like every third session, maybe. But now I know combat doesn't have to be kill or be killed. There can be so many reasons for combat. You can drain your players' resources to make the next one more interesting. You can use it to develop the story. The object of the enemies doesn't have to be to attack the players. It can be to get to an object and flee, to get past the players into a city. It can be to just hold them up for six rounds so that the BBEG can prepare their ritual. There are so many different uses for combat, and only recently I've started to really properly dive into that. And I think the way that I did that 
was I forced myself to create a campaign that was based around combat. Because if I wanted that campaign to be good, I needed to get better at it. And that's kind of the premise of Blood War on DMDM Studios' channel. It's just a large dungeon crawl through hell. That's all it is. There's eight levels of hell, they go through it, and there's a combat almost every session. I would like to believe, I'm sure Cal may or may not agree with me, each combat is unique and interesting and serves a purpose that isn't just about killing the players. There's potential for it. Callum's character has died almost three times now. Yeah. <laughs> the latest one because his own brother pushed him into a pit of boiling tar, effectively. But yeah, so... Good times. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> finding a reason for combat that isn't just about killing players, I think that's the biggest mistake I made for the longest time. Yeah, you say you don't want to kill us, but you certainly <laughs> make it feel like you want to kill us. But that's a good thing, though. I know you don't want to kill us, but you're very good at creating that feeling of, I'm mm. in danger. I think that a lot of DMs do lose sight of what combat is for and what exploration is for and what roleplay is for. And losing sight of it or not really defining why your players want to or don't want to do those things can mean that your games become monotonous or not very interesting because the players are doing things they don't like or doing things they like, but not in the way that they enjoy it most. Yeah, absolutely. Good uh, reason to communicate and good reason to really understand like why you're having them fight these people or this monster. Like, What's the purpose behind the things that I'm planning or prepping? so that we can continue to further the story, continue to explore backstories and, you know, move the plot forward towards whatever end I've got planned. So yeah, I like it. Callum, what about you? Oh, this question. I love it. I think back in the day, I was always a bit hesitant to sort of give out magic items. And that's a shame because, you know, it's kind of like finding that cool thing to do with all these and do amazing things with, you know, it's a huge part of the game. And we use D&D and other TTRPGs for escapism and fun. So why not have all the magic tools available to make things interesting? But I was always afraid that like the players would become too powerful and derail everything and mess up all the plans I have. But you very quickly learn that it's, you know, it's not the DM story, it's everyone's story. And if they have a deck of many things and everything goes crazy, so be it. Just roll with it. Everyone's there to have a good time. So I think, yeah... Magic items, not giving them out was a big thing for me. Now I throw them out like candies. It's all good. I just want to say as a player as well, like playing with Paul, I think there's a a how not to be a player as well, which I hope it's all right to throw in here, which is like you've got to give other players their time to shine, their moment in the spotlight, which is a lot like improv, which is what I've learned. It's like you don't have to be the one to tell the punchline all the time. I learned to get a kick out of, being the one to tee up the others to land that killer line, you know? And yeah, there's a how not to DM and a how not to play under a DM as well, I guess. I will say, Callum, you are fantastic at making sure other people have a time to shine. Like, I can physically see you watching somebody else roleplay fantastically and the look in your, on your face and eyes is like, yeah, keep going. Fantastic. If you're about how not to be a player, sometimes you, I want you to have that moment. And you are so encouraging of other people. It's just fantastic to see at the table. The problem is, if everyone did that, no one would have a time to shine. <laughs> Paul, I've never see- heard you be so kind to me. This is this is uh, 
Derek, you know, you have to get us on again so I can get compliments from Paul. This never happens. We could do a weekly session, all three of us, if we need to oh, man. talk it out, you know? It's just like couples <laughs> therapy for me and Paul right now. Yeah, we need this. <laughs> oh, man. Just to call back to your mention, Callan, it's funny that you had an issue, like you didn't want to give out magic items because I feel like most people I talk to have the opposite problem at the beginning where they destroy the balance and then have to play catch up. So that's funny, but I'm sure that other people have done it too. So that's a good one. And I don't think anyone's mentioned it before on the show. So I appreciate that. That's all right. (laughs) You're both right as well uh, about being good players. Like there's definitely uh, value in sharing the spotlight in knowing that you're not the main character. You know, all of you should be sharing it, sharing the story together. That definitely can be difficult for some people. I find that sometimes in groups that you're playing with, you have one person who has put so much time and effort into their backstory and making sure that it, that it weaves intricately with the things that the DM wants to do, right? They put a ton of work in and then you've got other people who don't put as much work in. And it can be tough to kind of balance that as well, right? You've got a player who's really invested and who wants to be part of the story and they kind of end up becoming that main character when you you try not to make it that way. It's constant adjustments, but I think that there's a lot of value in players recognizing this and knowing how to work with each other and give each other those setups for killer lines or a really fun role play too. Yeah. Awesome. What about favorite moments that the two <laughs> of you have had while running games? Thing is like something crazy happens every week. I think you joined in the stream and saw like the whole city was on fire. And you put a message and what did you guys do? And it's like, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. It is, it is a crazy actual play, which I'm sure Paul would like to talk about what Homebrew Havoc's all about soon. But in terms of t- moments from it, oh, where do we start? I mean, we've used stale baguette to cross a moat. We've had chaps made for my owl character, made by the community that stunned people and Dodo, my owl character, has got a sentient mini-fridge called Colin, who's essentially a barrel with chicken legs, which is also community-created. There's also a moment in Booty, Revenge of the Demon King on DM Studios, where I play Monty Beefcastle, where he posed as a nude life model to distract people in the art gallery so that the rest of the pirate crew could rob the place. That was fun. Beefcastle sounds like a burger chain or something. That's incredible. It should be. And um, yeah. <laughs> do you know what? If you want to go into business with that, Derek, I'm, I'm all ears, man. That sounds that sounds pretty good. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. Yeah, there's been so much, man. I mean, I, I check out Homebrew Havoc. That's all I can say. There's so much crazy stuff that goes on. It's so hard to pick. I can't wait to hear what Paul, what mm. Paul has to say about it, yeah. really. So regretfully, my favorite moment of combat isn't from Homebrew Havoc. No, don't do this to me. It was a home game. It was with my players, my best friends at the time, my closest friends, and I picked my closest friends for a reason. It was a one-shot. They were playing level 15 characters. They were effectively playing the Avengers. Like It was homebrew Avengers, but they were playing the Avengers. It was my wife's first ever game. She was playing a character with a hammer. They were playing, and they were going to rescue Lady Sif. I forget why, but they were going through it. And they were up against an ancient blue dragon. Big scary thing, second to last boss. Rah, there was two of them, I think, in the room. One died because it lost hit points. My wife's character said, can I, which is my favorite sentence that any player can say is can I, because yes, probably. 
can I jump on his back? I'm like, yeah, probably. Roll, great, you rolled, you got on his back. And they said, can I let go of my hammer? And for those who know the character she was playing, know why she might have wanted to let go of her hammer. And I certainly did. I was like, well, yes, you can let go of your hammer, but let me see if I can figure out why you can't, because that's going to end the battle really quickly. And at that moment, I was like, yeah, you can absolutely let go of your hammer, because it's an amazing moment. And no, I didn't think of it, but that isn't the point of this combat. The first ever game my wife played, she let go of the hammer on the dragon's head. It plummeted into a fountain with three inches of water in it, and the dragon drowned. A full HP. Was it flying or was it on the ground yeah, at this point? It was point? in it was the flying. air. Yeah. She let go of the hammer. It dropped and it couldn't get up because it was not worthy. Oh. And it drowned in three inches of fountain water. And it was like, well, we could just roleplay all the rounds, but it's not getting up. I'm just going to say it drowned and it died. Congratulations to my wife who had never played D&D before. And I think that inexperience helped her because she didn't know what she could or could not do. So she wanted to try everything. And people who've ever played with me will know if you want to try something, yes, you can do it. I'll find a way. And that game is especially special to me because it was the first time I'd ever played with anyone at level 15. And it was my closest friends and my wife because it's how I revealed that my wife was pregnant to Hmm. all my friends. I feel like you've told this story or you've mentioned this before. Yes, it's one me, I do tell me, quite often. I mentioned it on yeah. Twitter, I mentioned it on Cal's questions, I think. And at the end of it, Lady Sif had a little piece of paper in her hand. It was a monogram of our child, like my actual child. And so I will always have fond memories of that. It completely blew everyone away. And everyone was like, can we have a part two? I want to play those characters again. Like, in the loveliest way, I'm not beating that first campaign. So no. So they are yeah. still waiting for part two, and that was two years ago. So now. you've got another one on the way, I guess, right? <laughs> Not yet, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm but when kidding. I do, that's how it's happening. <laughs> yeah, Be rarely suspicious crap. if I invite a bunch of people to a level 15 one-shot. That's awesome. I love playing with new players for that exact reason, Paul, because mm-hmm. like you said, they don't know what you're supposed to do or what's the optimal thing to do, right? They just go with mm-hmm. whatever they can think of. That's incredible. You could call that a near death experience. Oh, 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 that was brilliant. End it there. That was brilliant. (laughs) Wow. I know you clip clip sound clips of your uh, guests. Don't bother with us. We're not beating that. Just take that. That's it. That's all you need. I can't do my own (laughs) joke. That's lame. I've got to do your jokes. (laughs) We'll never be that funny. Okay. Me and Cal, we'll never be that funny again. That was beautiful. I like that. (laughs) I've watched Homebrew Havoc. I know how funny you two are. That story was amazing, though. That was so good. I mean, I'd never heard the Dragon Hammer story before, as I'm going to call it now. That's so cool. That's better than anything that's happened in Homebrew Havoc. So, yeah, take that. I'm so glad you shared that one. That's awesome, dude. I'd love to hear from both of you who some of your DM role models are. So people that you've watched or listened to or played with who you really enjoyed and you look up to or take a lot from the way they kind of do things and add it to your own games. So when I first got into it, it was Dungeon Dudes were a huge source of information and quality content. And I know they're yeah. Dungeons of Drakenheim. I know you've got the book because you bet the yep. Kickstarter, Derek. Um, it was fantastic. Watching that and watching the Rat King take shape in front of my very eyes was amazing. And all of their videos from ranking races to how to play, 
the best of this, the best of that was just amazing. And they had so much content that was so easily absorbable. They were just fantastic. Without them, I wouldn't even know how to play D&D. Since entering the community, there's so many people that have improved or just given one-off little throwaway comments that I'm like, that's a great idea. Yes, I'm going to use that. Abyssal Bruise is a great example. Red Redemption is another great one. Derek, the other Derek from DMDM Studios is a great one. Mm -hmm. And even my players, when we're talking casually, they'll say, oh, when I DM, I do this, or I had a DM that did this. And they'll just change little tweaks of rules that I've gotten because I'm like, that's a great example. A good rule that I've introduced recently, and I forget who said it, so I apologize to whoever said it. If you roll a nat 20 on initiative, you get a bonus attack because of how prepared you are. Or you get a bonus reaction because of how prepared you are. Which I think is a great rule, but I'm always taking little bits here and there from random people. But I think Abyssal Brews and Dungeon Dudes, definitely an inspiration for me. I love the Dungeon Dudes, like you said, Paul. After I listened to a show called Sneak Attack, which I loved, I got straight into Dungeons of Drakenheim, and I ripped shamelessly from it for my own homebrew campaign that my home players play, because none of them <laughs> were familiar. And I'm like, sweet, there's a meteor that's going to fall on this town, and it's going to destroy everything, and there's going to be monsters. Someday, I will get Monty and Kelly on the show. Someday. Mark my <laughs> words. Cal, what about you? Um, DMs that you really look up to? Um, it's a really difficult question. Paul's pointing at himself right now. I know this is audio, but yeah, he's... Po- do you know what? I really love Paul's style. I do. I mean, I've played with him for such a long time, and it's always fun every single session. And I'm not just saying that. There's big names like Brennan Lee Mulligan I really mm. like. I think he's he's just he's just a blast to me. B. Dave as well. It's great. And it's yeah. just, there's so many great people. I mean, there's ones that I met through Twitter... You know, I'm really grateful to have met like AJ from Adventurers Anonymous. Brilliant DM. Absolutely fantastic. Again, Derek from DMDM Studios is absolutely brilliant. Through Twitter, like I just met so many great DMs with so many great ideas. And I'm really thankful to have um, been able to be at some of these tables and um, watch all their content because, God, there's some talented people out there, really. I love it because I love picking up on things they do and saying, oh, I'm definitely stealing that and putting that in my own games, right? There's nothing better than having players who don't know what's, they don't know these people, they don't know what you're referring to. And so you can just say it's, I mean, I don't say it's my ideas, but like, it's so fun to watch them get to experience the stuff, you know, was so fun for other people too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I always find it interesting because... And I'll probably rarely shouldn't say this about the TTRPG space. I don't overly enjoy watching actual plays. It's the attention span thing again. I can't sit and watch a three-hour program, which effectively is what an actual play is. But TTRPG content, I will absorb like there's no tomorrow. Interview shows like this, like Cal's Questions, The Dungeon Dudes, like I mentioned... And, you know, Ask Me Anythings with all the fantastic creators. I will absorb that. That's fine. I just, for some reason, seriously struggle with watching five people sit down and play D&D. It's nothing bad on them. They could be the best D&D players in the world. But it's why I've never watched Critical Role. I just can't sit down and absorb that much information in that format. Technically speaking, I've watched Season 2, Episode 1 twice. So I think that counts as two episodes. But yeah, I can't even watch (laughs) my own show. Like, it's nothing against anyone else. Even I find Mm. Homebrew Havoc... (laughs) I don't want to say boring, because that's definitely not the word I want to use. (laughs) Please don't say that. (laughs) I just can't do it, and I don't know why, but 
interview shows, short format shows on like YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. I'll absorb them yeah. like there's no tomorrow. I'll jump on that actually, Paul, because I've never seen like the campaign episodes of Critical Role. I've only ever watched their one shots. If I had the time to watch it, you know, I would. But things like like I love a one shot, mm. so you can just absorb it there and then. Yeah, attention span not great. I think we can all relate there. Uh, I got through season one of Critical Role by listening to it at two times speed as a podcast on the way to and from work. And that's the only reason I, I was able to finish it. And now a word from How Not's DM's sponsors. First, let's hear from my friend Adam of the podcast Snyder's Return. Snyder's Return is a tabletop role-playing game interviews and actual play podcast. We interview content creators, Twitch streamers, and fellow podcasters, and we put out our own actual play using a variety of different systems. So come and join us, come and have a listen. You can find us on Twitter at Return Snyder. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or check out our website at www.snydersreturn.squarespace.com. Next, Library of Sorrows. Evil books, dangerous curses, vicious, powerful items. This ain't your regular small town library. Library of Sorrows is a 5e adventure module with a wild twist. Throw balance out of the window as your players explore the building, trying to find a way out of it. Library of Sorrows by Braith Shattered Realities is available on Roll20, Itch, and Drive-Thru RPG. Next, a podcast called Into the Dungeon. Happy Tuesday! Are you weary of having game nights difficult to schedule or worse yet, having them postponed at the last minute, turning your joy and excitement into despair or even rage? Then fear not. Into the Dungeon is a duet-style TTRPG podcast playing games with one GM and one player, and who aim to inspire you to adventure more by not always having to wait for a full party. Visit them on I, the number two, td.com for information on how you can venture into the dungeon. And finally, podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. Are you a podcast or video content creator who wishes you spent more time creating the content you love and less time doing the boring editing that bogs you down? Check out podcasteditors.online or videoeditors.online to see all of their awesome rates and offerings for editing content. Buy a few hours of editing a la carte or buy their bulk plans if you have more content that you need created. Check out the links in the episode notes for more information about both podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. And now let's get back to the second half of the show, starting off with Quickfire Chaos. This week on Quickfire Chaos, Callum and Paul and I are going to roll on some random D100 tables from the internet to create a scenario to roleplay together. You got your dice? Oh, I did not expect that to be so low. That is a three. Paul, this is your voice, what it's going to sound like. Has a naturally low voice. Every paragraph is a sentence. His English teacher hated him. Somehow, I think I will manage that. Next one. 
personality trait is a five. <laughs> what? Whoa. Aimless, devoid of direction or purpose. This is getting easier and easier. I was worried about the difficult one. This is fine. Oh, I've, just, I've just typed in Paul, a.k.a. Ampersad into Google, really, and this is just <laughs> what it's thrown back. Uh, NPC jobs. 88. Bartender. Oh, perfect. Uh, lastly, the fetch quest item. 93. A key to the Archmage's quarters. Any idea what you want to play, Cal? Let's be a dwarf of some description with a huge gray beard. Done. I'll be a dwarf too. We'll be we'll be brothers. All right. You both walk into a tavern. You can tell that it was about to be closing time. The wooden stools are turned up and placed on top of the table. The only person in the room is a singular bartender with bright green flowing hair and a bright purple beard. He's pacing behind the bar, cleaning the same glass over and over again. He looks worried. He's afraid. It isn't until you step on the creaky floorboard that he looks up at you. Oh, hello. Uh, yes. Hello, guys. Um, Right. It's a pleasure to you. As you can tell, we are about to close. I hope that's not a problem for you. I do have some uh, drafts on tap, but mostly we serve whiskey here. Is that going to be okay for you? <laughs> you seem very strange. Uh, well, that's not a very nice introduction now, is it? We're patrons of the bar, we come in and you say that we look strange. Uh, uh, we'll have uh, I'll have two of your finest whiskies, please. I'll clap him on the back and say, No, no, brother, that's no way to treat the man who's about to serve us drink. Come on now, let's go have one. Uh, right, okay, fine. All right, this one's on me, though. I mean, I know you've paid all night, but, you know, you've got to give your old brother a chance to pay as well. Oh, I, I think I could do that. All right, then. Yep. Two of your finest whiskeys. Let's do this. <laughs> Bangs the table. The bartender stares past you for a moment. You, for a second, believe he hasn't heard you or taken in any information you said. Uh, yes, so so sorry. Um, yes, right. And he, without looking, picks up a bottle from seemingly out of nowhere. He pours you a liquid that looks remarkably like mud. Um, very similar to the rest of the liquid that is behind him as well. He passes it you over, and it smells of elderberry and the latest flower that you have smelt. Is this? What is? I've never seen this before. You, you sure you can drink this? It smells quite like the roses that we just passed on the way to this bar. It's fascinating. Uh, can you tell me, sir, why it's uh, so uh, opaque? Well, well, you see, it's it's um, it's a friend of mine, the the owner of the bar. He's an archmage, you see, and he bre- he he brews, sorry, all the all the liquid behind us, and he does it over and over. And he's not quite got the color right, but the magical taste is, I'm assured, is exquisite. Um, say, uh, and he eyes your, the blades and the weapons that you both have upon your satchel. You you two seem like uh, busy gentlemen. I'm. Um, I'm in a bit of a quandary, and I'm wondering if you could help me, you see. There's been a bit of a, a, a problem, and I, I can't leave the bar unattended, even even this late. Could you could you help an old man out? You oh. want us to look after the bar? Hey, brother, we're in here. This is the dream has come true. Oh, no, I'm thinking he's offering us a job to do outside the bar. And uh, oh. as you can see, if I'm to keep up with my brother's tab all night, I will need a few more gold in my pocket. What do you have for us? Well, that's the thing. If you help me, I could 
I, I will not only provide you a bed and a place to stay, but you can have six more of the drinks on me. I, you know, it's the least I could do, but you see, I, I was told to keep hold of the key to my boss's, the archmage, as I mentioned earlier, my boss's quarters, and, well, I might have gone for a quick tiddle around the back with um, an old lady friend of mine, and <laughs> unfortunately I may have dropped the key somewhere, and now I went back and I can't find it. It's ever such a ever such an issue, because if he comes back and it's not here, he can't make the beer, and if he can't make the beer, then we can't sell the beer, and if we can't sell the beer, then, well, what am I to do? Sounds like quite the predicament you're in. Oh, it really is, it really is. So, yes, the, I did see another man uh, running away. Maybe he has it. Uh, he went through the city into the into the quarry down down by the lake. Uh, I'm sure if you look there, you can find him. He was quite, quite distinguished. He had a very smart suit on, far smarter than anybody else I met, far smarter than the two of you. I'm sure if you look properly down there, you could find him. Uh, well, I must say, you're quite rude, but your drinks... Oh, brilliant. So, um, I don't mind helping you out. No problem. No problem. So what do you say, brother? Uh, I say I think we could try this, but also it sounds like we need to wear our tuxedos around more. People don't think dwarves dress smart. What is this? Well, I didn't wear <laughs> my tuxedo. I never wore a tuxedo in my life. <laughs> oh. uh, that's right. Uh, ever, the, uh, ever the casual one you are. Well, yeah. that's why I love you. Uh, I love you too, brother. <laughs> right. So, uh, you said you saw the gentleman run down by the quarry. Uh, it just so happens that my brother and I know the quarry like the back of our hands. Oh, that, that's new. Uh, anyway, I think <laughs> I think we can do this job for you. Uh, but uh, I think uh, we'll be needing a whole cask of your finest ale. Uh, to get the job done. What do you think? You think uh, your uh, your boss wouldn't mind partnering with something like that uh, to make sure the job gets done? Well, uh, see, luckily, my boss doesn't really keep tabs on the, the, the bottles back here, so yes, I think uh, a good case of it will be fine. You know what? Um, as a gentleman's agreement, have a, have a full bottle as as a thank you for even offering, and you know, half now, half later kind of deal, but not half because that's only one sixth of a case. Oh, so I suppose it's a sixth now, five sixths later. But you get the general idea, don't you? Um, you seem like good at math, even if you're not good at anything else. Well, so yes, if you wouldn't <laughs> mind doing that for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's great. I probably should have come here first. You know, we wouldn't have racked up a tab. He's just given away the bar. I was used to in business, losing his keys, giving away his beer and whiskey. Oh my world! This is this is the dream. I'll grab the bottle from him and I'll kind of flip it to you, end over end, so you can catch it. He's drunk, so he he completely whiffs it and it lands on his head. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, down to the quarry we go, and then uh, sounds like we'll get free drinks here for quite a while. I think we can do this for you, pal. What was your name, barkeep? But, um, the name, the name's George, George Worthington. Um, if you see a lady called Sarah, would you mind telling her I'd like to see her again? Um, she'll know who I am. Just say Mr. Worthington. Ask for her. She, she'll know. I promise. Don't make a habit of uh, talking to every woman I meet on the streets, but uh, if if we see her, we'll let her know. Uh, I don't need to. Uh, I'll whisper to my brother. Uh, my sister's called Sarah. Oh, well, he said a woman, not a dwarf. Hopefully, that, I mean, our sister's called Sarah, is she not? 
Oh, that's a good point, actually. We got the same. Sorry, I'm so drunk, I don't even know what's going on anymore. I mean, <laughs> are you sure you're my brother? I don't even know at this point. <laughs> brother by inventory, <laughs> if not by blood, we'll say. <laughs> All right, we, we head off into the night towards the quarry, <laughs> arguing about whether or not we're brothers. <laughs> Come to think of it, I've never seen you before in my life. Have you not? I've been here the whole time. All right. <laughs> oh wow okay yeah i love it as chaotic as ever uh that's what i expect love it second half of the show here now we're talking about your projects your work in the ttrpg space all that good stuff so we've referenced it a handful of times already homebrew havoc that's the thing that you two are collaborating on currently we'll kind of get to your future and, and other projects later but yeah tell us a little bit about how it came to be and how it's going so far. Uh, for instance, I know, like you said, there's like community made stuff that kind of feeds into it. Yeah. So explain the whole process that led to the creation of this campaign. Homebrew Havoc started roughly exactly a year ago now, or the idea of Homebrew Havoc started about a year ago now. And it began after me and Callum met on the original Curse of Strahd campaign that fizzled out for various reasons. And he simply sent me a message saying, we should do a D&D game together. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I was just starting my stream up. I was looking for a game to run, and here comes this handsome fellow with a great idea of running a game. So I spent the next week coming up with a USP, a unique selling point, because Mm. I wasn't as popular back then, neither was Cal, and I knew I didn't have the same clout as I might do now. I knew that any players that I could persuade to play with me might not be able to bring a large audience. So I needed something unique to get people interested. And all around me were these amazing creators coming up with fantastic things. And I was like, wouldn't it be really cool if we just asked to see if we could use them? They could say yes or no, but if I get enough people to say yes, I don't have to prep anything. That's amazing. I don't have to come up with the NPCs, the monsters, the storylines anything. So I was like, let's do a 100% community-built homebrew campaign. And everything in it is homebrew. From the classes that the players are playing, every NPC has been created by someone in the community. Half, I think, has been created by me, and the other half have either been created by someone for a random purpose, or I've named them after someone we know in the community, or a character somebody else has played before. Yeah. And all the monsters are homebrew from various people. Some of them are monsters I've created with the help of other people, with special abilities that other people have suggested or donated the idea to. All the town and cities are homebrew, mostly from my wife, actually, who was fantastic at naming places. That's a skill. Yeah, <laughs> a skill I don't have. She's a language enthusiast, so everywhere is named after or has Gaelic origins. Everything, every town, every city. Most of the NPC names that I don't have to come up with have a Gaelic origin. Most of the NPC names I have to come up with are George, and that's <laughs> it. There's three Georges. <laughs> George Worthington? Well, possibly. He doesn't have a second <laughs> name, so yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, there's three Georges because people have a habit of asking me names and I have a habit of not preparing them for some reason. But yeah, so... We're on our 25th episode we've just did, yesterday, I think. 
And Cal, how do you think it's going? Yeah, it's such a blast, man. I mean, it it's like seeing all these people coming together on, on, on Discord and on Twitter and other places as well to just sort of throw all these awesome ideas at us. And often it's done sort of on the fly during the stream as well. Like, I don't know, one of the cast members will say something, the live chat will just jump on it and... Um, <laughs> go oh why don't we do this why don't we do that or come up with names for mps and there and it's a real sort of community thing where the people watching are also creating it more often than not like someone in the chat will say something and it gets thrown into like the story and fair play to paul like he rolls with it so well there's a couple of examples i mean like you go oh this church is dedicated to worshiping geese don't know where that came from that became canon now we've got a, a whole goose religion in the world of Antioso. There's all sorts of stuff that just happens on the fly, and it's just such a laugh. And so, yeah, please come and get involved, watch the stream, play along, and help us create the world. Yeah, it is a real skill, like you said, Callum, to uh, be able to roll with like live just the most random things that people are throwing at you and make it into a story. So, yeah, props to Paul for that. That's an awesome idea, and I love, Paul, that you, when you were thinking of the idea, looked around and tried to find a way to make the show unique, right? You know, to make something interesting and different, you've got to kind of put your own unique spin on it. And I love the idea of getting everybody involved because that means all the people who helped you create it have a stake in it too. So yeah, it's awesome. Absolutely. And I know if I ever created anything and I probably won't create anything specific, I'll create worlds, but not the micro stuff. Mm -hmm. I would absolutely love the idea of tuning into a stream and seeing my product or my time and effort into that product be used in a real life situation, not in a, can you play test this for me situation and seeing the reactions of the players of the audience and just sniping back to the whole, the chat takes part in the creation of the world. There's always that stereotype of, oh, there's 15 henchmen standing in front of you and one little goth girl in the corner. And all the players are like, talk to the goth girl. Let's talk to her. She's the important one. Now I also have that with the chat as well. So there's just so many people to please. And I love doing all of it. So yeah, I cannot complain in the slightest. It's so awesome. It's, it's heartwarming as well. You watch um, someone go, oh, that's my map. Thank you so much for using it and stuff like that. And then we'll always shout them out as well. And we'll say, this map was done by so-and-so. You can find them at so-and-so. So it's boosting the community as well. You know, it's because there are a lot of people out there in the community. They want to make a career out of this wonderful hobby we have. And anything we can do to bring people together and um, help with that, we're going to do it. You've mentioned, Paul, that when you got onto or into the TTRPG community, you began to immediately like figure out how to run games online and stream them and that kind of thing. So I'd love to hear from both of you what the adjustment was like from just normal home games to like streamed or recorded games and uh, maybe what you do to compensate for it and keep things interesting for the audience. Whereas with home games, it's very much just, you know, whatever your players are into, you you kind of cater to that. So yeah, we'll start with you, Callum. What do you feel like are some of the big differences and maybe how do you adjust the way you play and run games when you know they're being recorded? And terms of playing, I don't think there's too much difference, really. Not in the way I do it. I mean, I'll always, much like we just did in uh, in Quickfire Chaos, you know, just go all out with the character and just uh, and 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 roll with it. I mean, there's not too much difference in terms of that. I, I know that there is that sort of thing at the back of your mind where this is a form of entertainment and you need to sort of move things along a little bit and you don't want to get too stuck on one area. Paul, thankfully, is fantastic at sort of 
because it's not railroading, that's the thing, but he does show us the path out of getting bogged down in a thing, because we know people are watching. So there is Mm -hmm. that slight difference to it. But in terms of being at home, I'll say this. I've never met Paul in real life. It's all done over the internet. Well, you're on the other side of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. We're only seven hours difference as far as time zone goes, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but like, you know, using VTTs and stuff, it's brought me, Ailey, Shiv, and Tony of Homebrew Havoc. I mean, I know Paul's met Tony and a few of them met the others. I've never met any of them in real life, but it does feel like I am sat at home with them playing every single session. I can't say much more than that, really, in terms of the difference, because it's still got that vibe about it. I hope that comes across when people watch it as well, because I feel like I've known them for years and years, and it's Mm. just such a blast. I can't wait to play with them at home at some point, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. It'll happen, right? You're both, well, I guess Cardiff's not Midlands, really, but, you know, it's close enough. You can make Interestingly, it in December, we are at the gate to meet for the first time. I am going on holiday around my anniversary. Every year, me and my wife can go to a different capital city, uh-huh. and this time it's Cardiff. And we have arranged to meet up with our dear Cal. And he's right, I have met Tony. Purely coincidentally, I needed a place to stay where she lived, so she offered me us over. I will get around to meeting Ailey and Shiv one day, but uh, we'll get there. Well, I expect a lot of selfies when you two get together. Mm-hmm. It'll be great. Is one of you like really tall? Because that's always what happens, right? When you meet people in person, you realize how tall they are. How mm. tall are you, Cal? Do you know what? I've never measured myself, Paul. I have no idea. We'll have <laughs> to not. find out. We'll do a back-to-back selfie and send it to Derek, <laughs> shall we? Well, I'm five foot ten, so I don't know. However that, tall that is. Yeah, that's, that's pretty Average tall. height, I think, for me. Well, it's, it's the average height for me. It's my one height that I've had. I don't know. I think we're about the same. I'm not too yeah. sure, to be honest. We'll find out. I didn't expect to be talking about our height. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it came up mostly because I went and uh, hung out with some people who run a podcast just north of me here in the state of Utah. So they're an hour and a half north of me driving, I think. But anyway, in person... They just like both like wow you're so tall Derek and it's I don't know it's just funny because like on the on the internet no one knows how tall each other is until you mm-hmm. meet in person and then anyway that's why <laughs> no I get that Tony's shorter than what I thought she'd be Tony's only about five foot three five foot four and when she listens to this she's gonna message me yeah she's gonna message me say wait I'm about I'm five foot seven and a half like all right Tony <laughs> sorry Tony I do apologize I uh, love you Tony really do awesome. yeah Paul for you um. Running games at home versus streaming and recording, do you make any adjustments? And if so, what are they? Oh, absolutely. Me at home game and me on stream is completely different. Uh I think the biggest difference, if I could put it into a word, is showmanship. Yeah. I am so much more animated on stream. I'm so much more verbally expressive because I don't just have to make sure my players understand what I'm talking about. I have to make sure every single viewer does as well. And just. I'm going to say a language barrier, but I just mean like as a regional thing. So like how someone from the north of England understands something to the south of England is very different. And I have to make sure that my language reflects that. It has to be visually appealing as well. Whereas in a home game, I don't really care if you find it visually appealing. You're stuck in my living room, you know, enjoy the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just imagine someone being there and going, oh, and he walks into your house and goes, this is not visually appealing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let me out. I'm stuck in the living room. <laughs> oh, no, that's that key, all right? 
I also try and make all of my streams new player friendly. And what I mean by that is countless times if someone uses a spell that they maybe not used in a while, I'll ask them to just explain to me what that does. Partly because I've probably forgotten because there's more spells than I have memory. And also because if someone's just tuning in, this could be their first experience of D&D. And if they say, oh, I'm going to use Chill Touch, you know, that spell that doesn't require touching and has nothing to do with ice, which is the stupidest name for a spell ever, they're not going to understand why they could do that from range. And has also nothing to do with ice. So I need my audience to understand that. Burning hands, chill touch. Yeah, they sound like opposites, but they are not. Burning hands makes sense. That's exactly what chill touch should be, just cold. But it's not. It's like, oh yeah, throw it over there somewhere. Like, just Come on. <laughs> you did really well on every other spell. Like, What were you doing? It was obviously someone's day off and they just picked a letter out of the freaking hat or something. I wonder if it's like from the original or from AD&D. After research, mm. I don't know. What are some of the other projects you're working on? You've talked a little bit about a Curse of Strahd game coming up, rehashing the game that you started with, Paul. I'd also like to hear a little bit more from Cal about Cal's questions, how that started. Maybe some uh, about your VO work, Paul, your graphic design and your video stuff. You know, just just tell me the other stuff that you all are, are kind of working on. As you mentioned, we are doing Curse of Strahd one year on which is the exact same universe exactly one year on from the game I started a year ago, so that's really convenient, with entirely new players, and I've accidentally forgotten to tell them they're only allowed to play humans, which is something I did last time. So now we have a centaur, a rabbit folk, and apparently a very attractive warlock, if I remember correctly, walking through Barovia, and I have to explain how a centaur got there. But that sounds like a future polls problem. I've also got a Doctor Who game starting up shortly, Doctor Who TTRPG, made by Cubicle 7, and that's going to be on alternating weeks. So if it's Doctor Who, then Strahd, then vice versa. That'll be on Tuesday. Should have started by now, by the time this goes out. I do run Blood War. I run DM, DM Studios. And next year, I've got like four or five projects mentally prepared, including a new Patreon, a brand new primary campaign because i'm hoping season one of homebrew habits should be finished by then i'd love to get homebrew habits through to kickstarter and actually build it organically and get people interested and maybe you know they can buy it and other people can play dodo kiva cadis and hawthorne and that would just blow my mind because that's a scary idea to be honest but yeah that's the project i've got going on I'm really excited for all of them i've always got about six or seven ideas mentally prepared in case you know, Matt Mercer approaches me and demands that I do a campaign for him, which is it's bound coming. to happen. And it's yeah, coming. any day now, yeah. I'm waiting. He's got my number. I'm just waiting for the call. But yeah, that's me, basically. So really excited for all those. Should be a lot of fun. And I'm excited to be different styles of DMs because Homebrew Havoc requires a different DM to Curse of Strahd. And I love changing my style like that and keeping it fresh and interesting, both for myself and for anyone watching at home. Mm. Yeah, I like that. All right, Cal, what about you? Yeah, the usual. Got the uh, homebrew havoc every Thursday, which is always a blast. And um, Paul says he hopes that finishes soon, but I hope it goes on forever because it's an absolute blast. You probably could make it if you wanted to. Yeah, just <laughs> not uh, that I'm giving you any good. ideas, but hey, I'm gonna go completely off yeah. the track now. I talk less and less with every session, and my players could just roll with it. So I'm like, I've said seven sentences in three hours. That was fun. Let's go. Yeah, it is. It's good fun. <laughs> Yeah, I hope we have a going on. Um, I'm always popping up on variety of streams, and um, you can go to cleednd.com for 
news and updates with that, what streams I'm involved with, what shows I'm involved with, voice acting stuff, comedy stuff, all that good stuff. And um, yeah, Cal's question, season three is going to happen next year as well. So we're rounding off season two. We've got a few more great guests coming and then it is all go for season three. And voiceover work, I, I mean, I do a lot of corporate stuff as well, like doing training mm. videos and various things, but I'm always... Um, doing auditions for voice acting stuff as well but yeah if you want voiceover work if you like what you hear you can email me callumleevo at gmail.com and i will take your inquiry and at cdd if you want any more information in that area yeah I'm, it's been all go here and um always happy to work with paul because it's just been an absolute blast this past year and ampersand productions um which i will continue with Paul's permission to be involved with. Oh, absolutely. You're not going anywhere. Even if you didn't want to stick around, I wasn't going to let you leave. You're trapped in his living room, just like his Sorry, players. Sorry, yeah. yeah. You're still here looking for that key. The key being the exit. Yes. I'm scared <laughs> You're still. <Thanks>. Sorry. <laughs> How did you both find these niches, these needs in the community with graphic design, video, and also with voiceover work? Were you both kind of doing those things and interested in those things prior to your experience here and you've realized you could use them? Or did you discover them and say, oh, these actually sound really fun and and I see the need and so I'm going to figure out how to do them? I actually studied film and editing at university. Oh, yeah. And my joy of it, and there was a lot of joy of it, especially the editing part, the filming not so much, was absolutely beaten out of me at university. So I stopped enjoying it, as most people do when they go to university to study something they love. But then several years later, I joined the TTRPG community. (laughs) I saw a bunch of amazing shows on YouTube, on Twitch, on everything, and thought, it needs something. It needs an ident. That's what the little logo reels are called. They're called idents. Because when you see them, you know it's going to be fantastic. When you see the Marvel logo, 20th Century Fox, DC, there's another great example. Capcom, even computer games have them. I'm like, why isn't anyone doing this? Is there anyone that I need to contact? Is there like a mystery dungeon I need to go in with a password to find the person? It turns out, no, that person doesn't exist. So I decided to be that person. And yeah, I've been making them for about a year. It's how I got noted in the TTRPG community in the first place was, oh, he's the guy you need to talk to for amazing idents, for amazing videos, for amazing Kickstarter projects. And yeah, got my name around. It earned me a fair bit of cash, which I've spent on dice and my stream. Yeah, like the money I make from my podcast, I just use to feed yeah. my hobby too. Like I don't make that much. And so I might as well just spend it on new books and games and stuff, right? Precisely. Yeah. I'd still buy those things. It'd just be with my money as opposed to somebody else's, which makes me feel better. It makes my wife feel better as well. Who says I'm not allowed to buy any more dice unless it's from my commission. So please, please commission me because I only have a thousand <laughs> dice and I need a thousand and one. So oh, yeah. I, I saw it. a gap in the market and I started off super cheap because I didn't know what I was doing. And my prices have slowly increased as has my skill level, my quality and speed of production. So yeah, absolutely. Mm. Cal, uh, voiceover, had you done it before or, or was it something you discovered? Yeah, I've done it for uh, quite a long time now. I started getting into it just after university years, which is quite a while ago now. I'm not going to reveal my age live on here. But um, yeah, it came from the comedy and improv side of things. And I found that I had a, I don't know, just a knack for speaking, I suppose. And uh, I sort of, I just thought, yeah, I could, I could make a somewhat of a living out of it. 
So I started you do doing have that. a very good voice, so I'm not surprised. That's very, very kind of you to say, and it's it's good. So I, I, I do a lot of corporate things, as I, I mentioned, for businesses and things. I sort of combined everything, really, and to get where I am now, which is the improv and the comedy, the voiceover stuff, my love of TTRPGs. All of that combined has led to voice acting and doing it all, you know, playing characters and all sorts, and TTRPGs has helped me become a voice actor and you know it's going really really well and um it's just all of my life experiences over the past 10 15 years that have uh have sort of led me here and led me to paul <laughs> so yeah funny how that happens the last question here is about your best advice you've got words of wisdom encouragement advice and we'll make it twofold for DMs out there running games, and then also for um, people who are creating content or have thought about dipping their toes in and trying it out a little bit. So you can kind of split them up into two answers, obviously. Kind of for both, really, is the people that you meet, I suppose. If you're looking to become a DM, GM, or create content, do anything within TTRPGs, it's the people you meet. And um, I wouldn't be doing what I do today without the help of amazing people in the community. And um, I think the more people you speak to, the more people you meet, you find your people, you have like-minded people out there that are always happy to help, always happy to boost you and make you feel confident in what you do and give you pointers and just help you through what you want, uh, help you achieve what you want to achieve in, in life and in, in the world of TTRPGs and beyond. So I think my advice and my parting words of wisdom and encouragement would be meet as many like-minded, kind, helpful people as possible. And thankfully, and I'm very grateful to have experienced that there are so many of them in the TTRPG community. And I just want to say thank you and um, say, if anyone wants any advice or anything from me, you know where to find me. So, yeah. Love it. So I think the best piece of wisdom, so to speak, I could dish out, and I don't do it frequently, is honesty. Just be honest with yourselves and everyone you meet, whether in real life or online. Be honest with what type of game you want to run, because then you can be honest with your players about that. So expectations can be met. And at the very least, if they decide they don't like that game, you can say, well, I was upfront about it. And uh, Be honest about what you want from the TTRPG community as well, and make sure you strive for that in every interaction you meet. But do make sure, I will add on to that, that you're not always self-serving. Make sure you are always there to hype up others. There's enough hashtag days on the internet now. It's really easy to build yourself up and other people at the same time. In terms of playing D&D, and this could be for DMs and players, don't worry about breaking the rules. They're advice. They're not hard, fast rules. One thing I would Make sure that you know, though, is the mechanics of the game. And that is very different to the rules. Because you shouldn't break rules, but you can break the mechanics. And it's a lot of fun when you do. In terms <laughs> of graphic design, don't do that, because that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> if you do insist on taking money out of my hands, then make sure you start off low and build yourself up. Find different Twitter accounts, I'll use an example, that have a similar follow account to you and build the relationship from there back in the day there was about four or five of us who all started building up at the same time we were like the next generation of ttrpg creators we looked up to those like 
Derek from How Not to DM and Abyssal Bruise and all these other people. And we helped each other climb together. And without them, I would not have made nearly as many graphics as I could. And I wouldn't be the DM I am today. And I'm now proud to say that I believe the following generation that's you know now in front of me, so to speak, I would like to think they look up to us, Callum, in the same light as what I looked up to the rest of them when I first arrived. And that is both a humbling feeling and a terrifying feeling. Because people should not look up to me. I'm a terrible influence. <laughs> Can't confirm. <laughs> yeah. So I guess on that bombshell, uh, <laughs> we'll end it. <laughs> no, uh, you give yourself too little credit, Paul. I think that a lot of people could learn a lot from you. And that's why they should yeah. go watch Homebrew Havoc and also Curse of Strahd and uh, the um, Blood... Blood War is on DMDM Studios and Doctor Who will be tonight actually if this goes out on its regular day so come check that out so yeah uh you should go check out paul's um dming style and uh learn from him because eventually you're going to have a table who's super chaotic if your players aren't chaotic now and uh he handles it very well so a prime example of how to wrangle it all how to herd the cats and make it fun thank you so much both of you for joining me it's been a ton of fun i had a ton of fun chatting with you on cal's questions earlier this year so I knew I knew I had to bring you both on How Not to DM so we could do it again. And it sounds like we're going to have weekly sessions after this just to make sure that you two are, are doing okay. So forward <laughs> to those two. Yeah. But, yeah, thanks a ton. You both have been super supportive of my show. And uh, it always warms my heart to see you hyping How Not to DM up. And so I, I try to do as much as I can to hype you both up as well. And it's uh, very much give and take and lifting each other up. And uh, I really appreciate it. So, yeah, thanks so much, you two. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. Now it's time for a sneak peek into next week's guest, Ginny Loveday of Steamforged Games and many other publishers and projects. I'm going to preface this with the, you know, the caveat that like, this answer is going to be different for every DM, but I know, you know something, some, a couple of things at least that I know every convention DM, DM appreciates. Somebody who's engaged. If you're a note taker, by golly, we love you already. To hear more about Ginny's DM and player advice, her journey into community organization, and her jobs as a game writer, designer, and editor, tune in next week. Remember to check out my Patreon if you haven't already for even more sneak peeks. Here's a friendly reminder to rate and review the show and share it with your friends and family who play TTRPGs as well. New reviews will be read out at the end of the episode as a thank you. Thank you to the team at T4C Studios, The Dragon, for help editing and producing this episode. As a reminder, if you are a content creator, either podcast or video, check out videoeditors.online or podcasteditors.online as it's the same team who helps produce this show as runs those websites. One last plug here for Two Hot One Shot. Please go to Kickstarter, check it out. Throw us a few dollars, it would mean a ton, and it will help us continue to try to make cool stuff. My friend Matthew and my friend Jordan and I put a ton of work into it. We worked on it all summer, and we'd really appreciate it if you would help us make this dream a reality. All right, let's get to the last few thank yous here. My intro and outro music is by Daniel Zombo. The Quickfire Chaos music is by Exacat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music that plays underneath while we're roleplaying is by Arcane Anthems. Check out the episode notes for more of their great work. And, as always, until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.